I have to clap for that because if you've heard me sing, you know that you just got to appreciate things you just can't do. And uh, I love I love to see them using their gifts. Uh, it's good to be back with you. Um, if I guess Hume Lakers, I wanted to welcome back the, the students who went to Hume Lake, but they are probably hanging out in uh, the youth group here. It's good to have them back safely. Um, but it's good to be with you this morning. I want you to do this for just a moment. Turn uh, to the person next to you or someone next to you, just right where you are, and answer this question. When is a time when you were in a situation or in a place where you realize, I, I don't relate to anyone here. I am the only one who can, you feel totally out of place. So turn in, and when's the time when you felt totally out of place? All right, take about 20 seconds. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So how many of you said right now, right here in this place, I'm, that's me. <laughs> it, it actually may be, if someone's here, maybe you're new and you're, you're seeking out, kind of exploring faith, you might be saying, yeah, it is right now. Uh, you're welcome. It's good to have you here. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, you know, this uh, last week, I spent some time in uh, Texas on, at a conference, and so I was there for the week, and before I went, the conference was in, conference was in Austin, Texas, and as many of you know, uh, I, I've shared before how much I love baseball, and, I, and my wife and I and kids, we like to go, or actually, I like to go, they come with me, to the different stadiums uh, throughout the country, and I hadn't been to any of the Texas ones, so I you know, looked it up and found out Houston was only a couple hours away from from Austin, so I looked to see if he, there was going to be a baseball game, and it was uh, to my surprise or, and delight, there was going to be a game, and then even better was that it was God's favorite team playing on the Boston Red Sox, and so, so it was, <laughs> that was great, so anyway, um, and, and so I knew at that point that the Lord had ordained this trip, so, so my wife said, you should for sure go, go early and go check out the game, so I went and, and got to go to a, a Boston Red Sox game, and, and I think the Astros were playing them, and so um, in Houston. <laughs> but I realized there, you know, from the very beginning, there's, there's some things we have in common as baseball fans. It's just baseball. You can appreciate it. It was a good game. Red Sox did win for their confirmation. The Lord was with me. And, um, but it, we had a good game, but there's some moments during the the game where I just kind of was an observer and looking around and seeing, you know, what are people like here in Houston? And there was a moment when, uh, in every baseball game, there's a thing, that seventh inning stretch where you sing, take me out to the ball game. And then right after that, most stadiums usually play some sort of song to keep you up and moving around and dancing or whatever. There's, there's something to kind of keep you moving. So we sang, take me out to the ball game. And then right after that, this music came on, and, and, and it, it said, the stars at night are big and bright. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yes, so it did that, and then 40,000 people went, you know, in unison and shouted deep in the heart of Texas. Now, I thought if it's just that, that was kind of funny, but it kept going on for like three minutes, and the whole stadium was singing and clapping and, and, and on cue, and they all knew the words to the song. There's like a coyote in a bush. 
there's something about a rabbit chasing something on the prairie or being chased. I, I can't remember. It was really complex. But, um, but I, I, I just sat there and I looked around and, and enjoyed the moment and realized that one of these people here are not like the other. <laughs> and, and I didn't quite fit in with that cultural thing. But one thing that was cool is to, to look around and say, this is one of the things that makes America a great country, I believe, is that... You go to different regions, and we're just really different. We're just really different. And, and you can think that you just see what comes out on the media and, and TV and stuff, which kind of represents California, right, and maybe New York, and you think that's how everybody thinks and feels. But then you go to other places, and you go, oh, okay, we're just different. And the diversity in the country is what's the beauty in it. And, and today we're continuing our series and studying in the book of Philippians, and we're in chapter 2 today, and we'll find that this same attitude is, is true for the church. One of the things that makes the church, and when I say church, I don't mean seacoast, the building, I mean people who follow Jesus. One of the things that makes the church so beautiful is that we're really different, and, and there's people who have different passions and different gifts and different um, interests, things that they like, things they dislike. There's people on different sides of the political aisle. There's people who like the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox. And, and we're all part of this big family of God, and our difference is what is the beautiful part of it. And, and we're going to find here in Philippians chapter 2 today as we look... Paul gets to a point in this letter that he's writing to the church in Philippi, and he gets really personal and, and in a really kind of encouraging way. But he's talk, he talks about of a couple of people who are partnering with him in the gospel, but we find that they have different gifts, different roles. But that's what makes it so strong and so beautiful. And so today as we study the scripture, we want to find ourselves in this story and find some application for our lives today. So I invite you to open the book of Philippians, to the book of Philippians. If you're new to scripture, it's near the back. If you do not have your own Bible, you can use a, your digital, your phone or a tablet, or uh, we also have hard copies of Bibles in the back, and you're welcome to use one of those. And if you don't have one, feel free to take that as our gift to you. Uh, pray with me before we get into the text. God, we thank you so much for this time today. I thank you uh, for the beauty of diversity of people, and even the beauty of the diversity within your people, that we can look in every country across the world and find people who follow you. And every language, practically, that's spoken throughout the world, there's people who follow you and are worshiping you this weekend. And Lord, there's beauty in that. And so we pray that now that we may learn from this and learn what it means to be partners with the good news and what our unity among our diversity, how that can be part of the story. So would you speak through me now? and encourage our hearts, challenge our hearts. Lord, we want to surrender who we are so that you can be who you are in us and through us today. So we give you this time. Amen. So Philippians chapter 2, we're going to complete, we're going to finish the uh, second chapter of Philippians today, picking it up in verse 19. Now I want to read this whole section for you. There's about 10 verses, and uh, 11 verses, and the reason I want to read this is because this is a letter written by Paul to a gathering of Christians. And here in this, you get the really personal nature of this letter here, and so I think it, it bears keeping it all in one section. So Let's get into it in chapter 2, verse 19. Paul's writing, and he says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you very shortly, so that I may also be encouraged when I learn of your condition. 
For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know Timothy's proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things are going with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself may be coming to you shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. So what we find here in this passage, Paul has been, we, we want to put this text in context. And so this little section is a very personal part of this letter, and, and Paul's writing and mentioning a couple of people that, one, maybe a lot of you have heard of Timothy, but the other one we don't hear much about throughout Scripture. But Paul is writing as if these are fellow workers and partners in the gospel and the good news of Jesus, that there's a deep personal connection with them and with the church, and there's this unity that they have, and the unity is surrounded in that they all are on the same team working for the same cause of Christ. And so today we want to kind of learn what does that look like? Why does God call the church? Why are they a good example that we need to follow? But before we can get there, I want to put the text in context. So to understand, here's where we're at. Chapter 1, Paul was writing, and, and we kind of use this overarching theme, theme of the one thing, or the commander's intent we even talked about. For Paul in his life, and as he writes to the Philippians, he's saying, hey, we want to be all about the message of Jesus being made known. And whether that means I'm in chains, I'm in prison, or I'm set free, what, whatever circumstance that I find myself in, the point is that we want the message of Jesus to be made known. That is the one thing that's driving me and driving the church in Philippi. They're partners, and they say, Paul writes, partakers in the gospel, partakers in the message of Jesus. So it begins all speaking about the centrality of the good news about Jesus Christ. Then in chapter 2, he starts talking about, at the end of chapter 1 and then beginning of chapter 2, there's this talk about unity and saying, hey, we stand strong together. We're united in spirit. That is, because of the gospel, that is what, because of the message of Jesus, that is what drives us. We, we need to be united and standing strong. And then he gives us a formula that will help being united, and he starts talking about humility. We use the illustration here of, of building fences and how sometimes when we're looking out only for our own interests in our relationships with one another in the church and even in our families, it's, we build fences. And by looking out for the interests of others, it tears down those, those walls so we can be united, not divided. And so Paul starts talking about the importance of humility in this whole idea of the gospel. Then he goes from humility and says, let me give you an example of the ultimate example of humility. And in chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, he speaks about Jesus Christ, who gave up his identity. He surrendered his identity. He surrendered his power, and he surrendered his purposes and his prestige to the Father. 
as an act of humility. I'm not gonna fight for myself. It's not gonna be about me. It's not gonna be only what I want. It's about a higher calling as the ultimate example of humility. Now, last week, when we looked at the passage, the idea was when this happens, we see that we're, we, it's kind of that idea of thousand points of light where those who are filled with Christ are shining as light throughout the communities. And as Dale presented, I love the idea of there's more light and less heat. The world doesn't need more heat, doesn't need more conflict, needs more light shed by Jesus. And that's great terminology. So the idea here now is when we follow the example of Christ, we let his light shine. Now, that brings us to this week. Paul then turns very personal and talks about Timothy and this guy named Epaphroditus. Always great when you're looking for name ideas. And, and, and so you look at this, and he says, here's an example of a couple of people who are partnering with the gospel, who he's including them because in the flow of the argument, here's some practical examples of people you know who are doing the things we've been talking about. So we want to learn about this from Timothy today. We want to learn what it means to be partners in the gospel. What does it mean to participate with the good news. So I have a couple of thoughts that we pull, and a lot of these are not going to be from this passage in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to find them in other places. But before we begin with this, the first question is, why should we even, why do we want to partner with the gospel? What does that mean? Because we always want to kind of have a deeper understanding of why. And we could turn to probably every book in the Bible to find reasons why, but I think, thought since Paul was writing in talking about Timothy, I thought, let's look over at 2 Timothy. It's a letter just a couple pages over to your right where Paul is writing to Timothy. And here's something that he writes to him when he's talking, of, and I believe it relates to our purpose, why we want to partner together in the gospel. And he's writing in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Paul says, Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but partner with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which is granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. So what we find here is the why do we partner? I want you to hear this. Because Paul's writing says, he has called us to partner with this gospel because you have a holy calling on your life. You're set apart with this holy calling. This is not a calling that means, okay, your, your purpose in life is to wake up in the morning, get three meals, go to work, make sure you pay your bills, go to bed at night, wake up the next day and repeat. Life can feel that way sometimes, can it not? And, and you just kind of are living weekend to weekend and, and existing, and sometimes life feels that way. But Paul, in writing to Timothy and asking to partner with the gospel, says, you understand this as a follower of Jesus, you have a holy calling. Whatever you do in your life, you are set apart for something bigger than just trying to get through another day. Now, so this doesn't mean that you are all called to be pastors, but you are all called to full-time ministry. I want to just share something with you right now. You, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to full-time ministry. In fact, you are in full-time ministry. You just happen to have a different place where you work. And maybe your paycheck comes from different places. 
But if you are a, a successful business person or an unsuccessful business person, you are called to full-time ministry. Perhaps you are a teacher. Maybe you are a lawyer working in a law firm. Perhaps you are a stay-at-home parent, a mom or a dad who's raising a family. You're in full-time ministry. Perhaps you are uh, working in a, a blue-collar job or a white-collar job. You are in full-time ministry. God has you there. But you have a holy calling. You have been called for God's purposes where you are. This is a big thing. This is a great thing. This isn't just existing. The why should we be partners in the gospels? Because God has called us now. Notice the terminology there too. According to his purposes, not your works. This is about what God is doing in the mission of God to his people and to the world. He's up to something. And God's on mission to restore and redeem mankind from our fallen state. He wants relationship and friendship with the people you interact with day after day. And you're part of that. You're invited in to that calling. I don't get it. I don't know why God uses us, the church, as plan A. Why does he use us instead of just do it all himself? It's not very efficient. (laughs) But he calls us to be a part of it. We're in set apart and partners in this. So that is the why, because God has a purpose and it's according to his grace, not our works. The next part is this. The next question is, what does it look like to partner with the gospel? In Philippians 2, we already read that. He mentions things about Timothy and Epaphroditus that say things like they're kindred spirits, they're fellow soldiers, they're working for the cause of Christ, they're, they're people who are not looking out for their own interests, but the interests of others. So what does this look like? When we're partnering in the gospel, it looks like a diverse group of people using their own giftedness, their own passions, and taking advantage of where God has them for the sake of Jesus and finding unity with one another. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4. If you're in the book of Philippians, it just is one, two pages back. Ephesians chapter 4, we see kind of what this looks like, this unity, and he writes this, Paul's writing, he says, Therefore I, as a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Because there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord and one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, of all who is over all and in all and through all. So what, it, what are we talking about? We are talking about an eclectic group of people who learn how to live in unity through our diversity, through our unique gifts. And this is a beautiful thing. You know, sometimes we, we look at our gifts, our passions, and who we are, and, and it's easy to think it's in, insignificant. It's easy to believe that well, I don't have the gifts that someone else has. We hear this great music this morning. You hear them sing and say, well, I could, you know, I don't have that gift, so my worship to God maybe isn't as beautiful as that, which I always cling to make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's one that just, you know, helps me in my worship. <laughs> and you may look at people and say, well, they're, they're great at working with kids or they're great at working, you know, with, with public speaking, and so I, that's not me. They're great at teaching scripture or understanding the Bible, so I don't know how God, and we can, Look at ourselves and think that we don't have a piece in the story. But God has a piece in the story for you, and he needs you in your diversity. He needs your differences. He needs your gifting. 
I love, you know, some of you are school teachers in here. And one thing, my wife and I have been a part of a group called Rooted, uh, which is uh, many of you have been through Rooted here at the church. If you haven't, we highly encourage you to do it at some point. The next group is in the fall. But we hear people's stories. And one of the things we often hear is there's a teacher or someone like that in, in their life who either encouraged them, reached out to them at a certain time. I know in my wife's case, she had uh, the high school she went to, a lot of the science teachers were actually Christians, which seems kind of bizarre to me. And, 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 but they were able to point out that behind this big, intricate, complex world, there's got to be a divine being. It was part of her story. They didn't lead her to the Lord, but it opened her heart to it. In my story, there was a teacher. So I think, wow, there's, there's so many teachers who just think, I don't know, I, I'm just a teacher. But you, you have such power in people's lives. Some of you as business leaders, the way you lead your business has such power in people's lives. And you embrace God has made you in a certain way. Be who you are in that place. And be who you are with Christ living through you. And you are exactly where he wants you. And don't look at other gifts and say, well, I, I wish I could do that. And don't try to live out of someone else's gifts. Hey, some of you, we don't want working in children's ministry, all right? Some of you just aren't fun enough. We don't want you in there. The kids aren't going to have any fun with you. Stay out of there. <laughs> we don't want that. Some of you may love music, but I don't think Toby and Paige want you helping out. All right, let's just be honest. <laughs> Does that hurt? A little? No, it's okay. You live in your giftedness. Use what God has given you and know that you have a holy calling and you're part of the story. We can't all be one thing, and that is the beauty in the church. That's the beauty of Christianity, is you have a unique role where you are. When Paul is writing to these people in Ephesus, he's saying, hey, we're united by one spirit, but we're different. You don't have to tell people to be united if you're talking to people who all think and act and look the same. You don't have to say it, it's assumed. But when there's differences and diversity, you say, yeah, we're called to one God, so let's find unity in that. Now, he also gives some practical tools, right? In Ephesians, he says, with humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve unity. So Paul's saying, hey, the what of being united in Christ is not gonna be easy. It's just not gonna be easy because we see things differently. But I don't know about you, but does anyone agree that this world could use some of these skills Nowadays, I turn on the news, um, if you ever watch the news, and it doesn't matter what channel you choose, if you're watching a channel that's on the left or a channel that's on the right or very balanced in the middle, which I haven't found yet, but if you can find something like that. But what do they all do? They bring up a, a news topic and then they invite two or three or ten guests, right? And all the guests have extreme views on other side of the issue. This is how we do the news nowadays, and then they kind of just yell at each other, tell each other how dumb they are for believing what they believe, and then, and then they say, okay, we're going to cut to a commercial. We'll be back with some more controversy. And that's how we do the news now. And I just always wonder, what would it be like if someone actually understood gentleness and humility and listening to someone other's perspective? Do you see what can happen in the church if people see Christians who have different opinions who walk with each other with humility and patience and gentleness and love. And they look at us and say, wow, you guys, this is compelling. This is different. 
why I believe it's a strong belief of mine that the church should be an agent of, of even things like ra- racial, rec- racial reconciliation in our country. Christians should be leading the way. We have opportunities to show the world what the world is not figuring out. Our country is not figuring out how to do this very well. They're not. There's an opportunity for communities of Christ followers to lead the way. In our own community, what would it look like if we were walking in love and and grace with people from, maybe it's people who've been 10th generation Americans walking with immigrants, with love and grace? What would that communicate to our world? Well, they start looking and say, wait a minute, you guys seem to figure this out. This is the thing we want to have happen, but we don't know. Why is this unity? This is the unity that Paul is asking for. Among Christians, you're different, but walk in love and watch what happens. And use your own giftedness in that. I, I want to invite Sarah Smith up here. Sarah Smith is one of our young adults who recently has um, been Use, she had an opportunity to use her own giftedness and kind of some of the things that God has challenged her to recently uh, to kind of be used by God. So we want to hear from her here. And Sarah, why don't you tell us, uh, recently you spent some time in Tanzania. And uh, tell us a little bit about what happened there and what led to your going. Yeah, so I was in Dar es Salaam recently with Jennifer Kurz, and we were hosting a workshop for women in the city to train them on how to build support groups to help other women in their communities who have suffered from trauma, specifically trauma from sexual abuse, either in the past or present. And uh, so we were with about 16 women for a couple of days. And one of the highlights was that a woman on the second day decided to share her story. And it was sadly riddled with a lot of physical abuse in her childhood. And Um, Then was a story of redemption on how she found Christ and now has become a pastor in her community and ministers to other people. But what was really special for me in that is at the end of her story, she said that this was the very first time she had ever told anyone those details. And so to be part of the group and in the room of where she decided to feel safe, that that was okay to share, was really such an honor and what the workshop was all about. Oh, that's great. And and so... You, you know, you had a specific role over there, which is using specific gifting. Most of us probably couldn't uh, go and, and be able to do that. So uh, what's some things that kind of you learned from that, or what was God doing in your heart leading up to this to kind of prepare you for? Yeah, well, it really happened all quickly. Um, so it's kind of hard to pinpoint what was happening even. But missions to Africa have been on my heart for about six years, and things haven't you know, come to. There hasn't been the right opportunity or it wasn't the right time. And when my mentor, Jennifer, came up to me and talked about this, this experience that she was going to do there, it really was in line with what I'm studying to be a marriage and family therapist in graduate school and was also combining a passion for women's ministry. And so it was almost easy to say yes. And it was like, here's the opportunity you've been waiting for you know, let's go and do it. And um, since it was such a quick turnaround, I think Lord really used circumstances that were in my personal life at the time to teach me a little bit about faith too and to really show, you know, it's you and me, girl, and we're going, and um, it's going to be okay, and I've got this. Hmm, that's great. And so what, how can you encourage the church? Because, uh, again, um, 
Well, maybe we'll start with this first. How now do you feel like you're using those gifts in your everyday life? Yeah, in my everyday life, um, something that really makes my heart sing, as cheesy as that sounds, is I get to work with a few teenage girls in the North County community, and I just love hanging out with them. I do tutoring and mentorship type roles with them, and it's a, it's a lot of fun, and I just, I really like working, working with adolescents, and it's something I plan to do when I'm a licensed therapist, and, and also just being able to nerd out at school. Um, I am such a learner, and what's neat about that is God is using an uh, opportunity for me to use my gifts while also exposing me to new things and new passions that I think he's driving me to. That's great. And, and how can you encourage a church as far as when we talk about being created differently, using our gifts and passions, what, what have you learned from that that you can give us some encouragement with? Well, what you were already touching on, Ryan, was actually going to be my encouragement as well, um, <laughs> is that it's not always going to be a trip to Africa. And I think a lot of times we bypass the moments that we're in in our everyday lives, either at work or being part of PTA or the call to just reach out to a neighbor or be in relationship with someone so that they can feel truly known because it doesn't seem as righteous or, you know, you should yourself into thinking that I'm supposed to go to Africa and I'm supposed to be serving at the church every Sunday. But it's not about that. It's about, I think, how, how are we allowing Christ to use us to reach his people? And a lot of times I think that happens in those small everyday moments. And so instead of looking at others but, but asking ourselves, what does God have for me in this context, in this moment, to be able to do for him and for someone standing next to me. All right. Preach. Keep going. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, sir, we want to just thank you, one, for your willingness to step out in faith and do something that's a little scary, but also by saying, God, how have you shaped me? What are my passions? And, and, and how can you use me with those both abroad and then here locally? So we want to thank you for that example. Thank and, you. Uh, thanks for sharing with us this morning. Let's give her a hand. You know, this is stuff that maybe, if you've been around church, you've heard this before, right? You've heard about, oh yeah, we're all created, let's use our own gifted. And so, some of you, you do this well, and maybe this morning you just find encouragement in it. And maybe some of you, you, you have these issues, or you have these thoughts that, well, but not me, certainly not me, not this gifting. And, and we want you to know that partnering with the gospel, being united in who you are with one another, it's a powerful thing. So maybe her story resonated with you or you have something similar, which, which I love. So we talked about what is the why? What is, we talked about we're called to a holy calling. We're set apart for the partnering in the gospel. The what is we want to be walking in unity, using our gifts and our uniqueness. So here's the last thing. It's the how. How do we do that? Because I don't know about you, but it's, is it ever hard for any of you to hang out and find unity with people who are just totally different? No, just me. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> why, does, why do families have conflict? Because somehow, you have multiple kids and they all are exactly opposite from one another somehow. It just works that way, right? So, it's not always easy to walk with unity. Uh, this week, I told you I was in Texas and I wasn't just there for a Red Sox game. But I actually was there at a conference. It was a national conference for the EV Free Church in America. And so I spent some time there. And it was at a church in Austin that hosted it. And uh, they led the worship and had their worship teams leading. And when it began, the music, they started off and said, we're going to give you a flavor of how we do worship here in this church. Which I thought that was great. And, and 
just for me to tell you, uh, their style of worship was not my style of worship. I'll just put it that way. Their style of worship, some of you, if we did that here at this church, you would be, you would be front row ready to go. You would love it. They had a big orchestra. They sang out of hymnals. They just did, you know, and it was, and I know some of you right now are like, well, why don't we do that? Um, I, I, I get it. <laughs> but so the worship began, and I was listening to it, and, and inside, what I felt was, I kind of remember hearing some worship like this when I was at a church in St. Louis before I was a Christian, and I have like all these images of what that is like, and, and let me just tell you, it doesn't take me to a worshipful place, personally. But what was really cool is I was able to stop and I was able to look around in this room with about a thousand people and to see hundreds and hundreds of people with heartfelt, honest worship, just praising God from their hearts. And for me to see that and say, this isn't my thing, but I'm so grateful that it's somebody's thing. I'm so grateful that all these people in here aren't just like me. And you're very grateful for that too. I get it, yes. (laughs) But there's strength in that. There's beauty in that. And instead of for me to say like, well, our worship's so much better than this, which is what I said, I still (laughs) felt to the people here, this is just feeding their soul. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that is the beauty in in the church. But it's very difficult, right, for us to walk with that attitude all the time. It's, it's not natural for us as humans to walk with others knowing that we're very different. It's not natural to sit down and hang out and become good friends with someone who votes opposite than you when it comes election season. It's not natural. And if we are left to our own power and our own strength to be united, if the sermon today was, hey, let's walk in unity, let's love one another, no matter what you guys kind of perspective you're coming from, okay, now go do it. You know what I think that is? I think that's called the bad news. (laughs) Because we'll go do it. We'll be okay. Maybe you even have lunch. It'll be all right. But as soon as we get onto a topic, or as soon as music starts playing, and you say, well, I don't like that music. Like, what? Well, why not? That's mine. Or as soon as an issue comes up, and we do it on our own power, we're in trouble. And so the how, I believe, of how can we be people like this is found in a prayer that Jesus prays for us in John chapter 17. I want to share it with you. Because in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples and the future church, which includes us. And, and can you imagine, Jesus is praying, and, and he spent three years with these disciples, and they were jacked up at the end of three years. They weren't any better. You look at them and think, wow, they're kind of messed up. And they're the ones that God's building his church with. How bad is it if he was praying for the church in Encinitas in 2017? <laughs> So he prays for his disciples and the future church. And he says this, pick it up in 17 verse 20. I'm not praying these things, he prays, on behalf of these disciples alone, but for those who will also believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they, are, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and you loved them even as you have loved me. You see, the how of all this is we can only do this when we die to ourselves and surrender our, to ourselves every day. 
And more and more we allow the life of Christ to live in us. He says, if, when I am in them, they can have unity. When we're left to ourselves, we're going to stumble, we're going to fall, we're going to wrestle with this, and we're going to fail time and time again. But the more we surrender to our old selves, the more of our old lives we set aside and allow Christ to be a part of us, that's where the hope of unity is found. It doesn't mean that you're going to start liking my music. It's just not going to happen. On our staff, I found that the, I'm the only one who likes my music on our staff. I need to talk to them about that, but it's okay. I had to add a new interview question. But, but you know what? The thing is this. That we're not going to change who we are, but we can walk in unity. We can have humility and grace and patience with one another the more Christ informs who we are and the more we lay aside our old self. So our prayer for you this morning as we end is that we can be a church that walks with unity, loving one another, modeling to the world the beauty of diversity, the beauty of, of unity that can only come to Jesus Christ. Can we be that church? Be who you are, your holy calling, surrender to Christ, walking with love with one another. And notice the result in John 17. So that the world will know that I have sent you and that I love them. The world won't know if we're fighting each other. They're just going to say, oh, they're just like CNN. They're just like Fox News. We see that. We know what conflict looks like. But the world doesn't know what love looks like. We can model it together. And the world may know that there's something different. I want to invite the worship team up and we going to pray and maybe this morning in here you just found encouragement because you say hey I, I feel like I'm using my gifts I feel like I embrace others I'm I love this I'm surrendering to Christ walking with one another in love be encouraged maybe some of you you're saying I know there's still some areas of my heart that I need to surrender there's things that I keep keep coming up I have conflict with people because it's just about me Maybe God's calling you to surrender more of you today. And I know he's calling us as his people to be united in love for the sake of the world that we live in. So let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. I thank you for the beauty of, diverse, of unity in diversity that only comes through you. I thank you that you invite us to partner with you in the gospel, and I thank you that you set us aside with a holy calling. God, as we respond here in this time, will you move in this place? And Lord, we want this church to be about you and to be about your name because we want the people that we interact with every day to see who you are through our lives. So move in this place now, God, and, and we surrender our hearts and turn our, our hearts in worship to you.